welcome to the LifeBridge podcast. We exist to practice the way of Jesus, participating in God's kingdom coming in Dover as it is in heaven. My name is Tyler Saldana, and I'm the pastor of our church community. We are so grateful that you're checking out our church's podcast. We pray that the Spirit uses this podcast to encourage you in your following of Jesus. Okay. Well, thank you all for being here this morning. It's good to see uh, each of you that were able to be here. And um, I, I do want to just say thank you on behalf of the leadership team for just uh, heeding the guidelines that we've set forth for, for this week and, and potentially a couple more weeks. But we really do appreciate your support and cooperation um, with what we decided as a team. And for those of you viewing online and listening, perhaps later in the week, thank you guys for listening in. Uh, please know that we love you, we value you, and uh, we miss you guys and your presence here this morning. Well, I do want to start by reading from Matthew's Gospel um, in chapter 7, starting in verse 1. And as you're turning there, uh, the reason why I'm reading this is because uh, last night, you know, we put Rowan to bed close to 8 o'clock and uh, told Aaron, I, you know, I had a, a message in the works, and I said, I just don't think uh, we can go by without uh, addressing the elephant in our room. And so uh, we, after we took showers, just worked through and, and uh, worked through this together, just more of an in-house family conversation as to where we're at. And so I'm reading this passage from Jesus, and I want you to know that if you think I'm talking directly at you this morning, uh, know that, or if you think, oh yeah, the other people on the other side or whatever that other view is of mine needs to really hear that, they should be listening. I hope they're hearing it. Um, I hope this passage encourages you to stop, if that's your instinct, and to say, wait, Holy Spirit, help me look at my own heart first. Um, because I'm going to try, <clears throat> even though I'm fallible and human and have my own perception and view um, and my own experience in this season, uh, I know just as a church and as a leadership team, we have a diversity of opinions as to what's going on right now. So I'm going to challenge us all. I'm going to try to encourage us all um, in Christ. So let's read Jesus' words in Matthew 7. Jesus says, Do not judge so that you may not be judged. For with the judgment you make, you will be judged, and the measure you give will be the measure you get. Why do you see the speck in your neighbor's eye? But do not notice the log in your own eye. Or how can you say to your neighbor, let me take the speck out of your eye, while the log is in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your neighbor's eye. And notice here, uh, when, when the word, we, the culture has kind of taken this on, and even some of the church has the phrase, don't judge. As in, don't ever uh, point out or talk through ways that are not congruent with the way of Jesus. 
And that's not really what this word means. Uh, the word judge here means more uh, condemn, make an eternal judgment evaluation of them. Uh, but, you know, if we read this in light of the rest of the New Testament, we see, we see all throughout that uh, we, we as brothers and sisters are called to walk with each other and build each other up and potentially call each other out or lovingly oppose even each other. But the point being is not to think so highly of ourselves and to not be blinded. And it seems like Jesus is pointing out that this is what pride can do. That we can get so numb to a giant log in the eye of our heart and mind that, man, we see a little thing in our neighbor's eye, in our brother and sister's eyes, in our church, and think, man, they got a problem. They need to fix that. But you're over here bumping someone in the head with a, plant, with a two by four coming out of your eye. Perhaps it's the sin is so prevalent, what Jesus is saying, that the misperception, the lack of love is so prevalent in our own hearts that it's numbed our souls to our lack of congruence with Jesus. And so the elephant in the room I want to talk about is COVID, where we're at, and how we've approached things and how we're approaching things and where we go from here. Um, Because I am but one man, um, and, you know, I have one view, uh, and I'm limited. Um, But we are a body, and we have to figure out how we go about this together. Here's where we're at. Uh, We've got 5,530,000 deaths estimated worldwide. We're going to start from the top and zone into us. We've got 850, roughly, 850,000 in our country alone. While our country is only 4% of the world's population, we have roughly 15% of the deaths to COVID somehow. It's the number three cause of death in the U.S., following heart disease and cancer. And it's seven times the amount of the flu and pneumonia combined, nearly double accidents, which include overdoses and automobile accidents. Our state alone has experienced 30,900 deaths. That's about 15 of our little village called Strasbourg, where we live. We just lost 15 of them. In 2020, for the first time ever, if we didn't see this, our state had more people die than be born for the first time ever. Roughly 14,000 more people died than were born. Almost exactly the amount of COVID cases who died that year in 2020. And the same discrepancy is on pace for us as of last year. The the data hasn't been compiled enough. Holmes, we lost 161. Stark, 1,383. Wayne, we lost 354. Tusk, we lost 423. Two weeks ago, about an eight, nine day range, but it was our worst week. We lost 28 people in a week. Last week, we lost nine. Currently at the highest case count ever at the moment, although our Department of Health told us that the numbers would be somewhat inflated because they were catching up on tests. The healthcare system was not able to keep up with tests. But aside from those, just the ravaging of death in light of this, We've seen other problems. Mental health is at a, mental health problems are at an all-time high, in particular with younger people, but all people. Divorce has increased quite a bit in the last two years. 
loss of work and savings, loss of education for our children and youth and college students. Uh, on top of that, we had cultural stuff that I think could be attributed, I don't think they're totally separate, but the protests turned into very violent vi riots in a lot of ways, a lot of political unrest, uh, medical, medical bills for people skyrocketing, and it disproportionately affected lives of minorities in our country. And so here's where we're at with the passage Reuben shared. We are to love each other where we're at as Jesus loved by taking up our cross. And what that means, we'll get into that for each of us. But I'm going to read Jesus' words again in Luke 9. Jesus says to them, If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake will save it. What does it profit them if they gain the whole world, everything they ever wanted, but they lose or forfeit themselves? There's not much to say on top of that. We are to love as Jesus loved. And how is that? Laying down our lives. Sacrificing. That's what, that's what our God did. That's, that's what our leader did. But here's the problem. We're hurting. Uh, we're grieved. And it's dividing us. Obviously. It has been and it is. And not just here. Statewide. Nationwide. Where we moved from, it's the same thing. We, this is no different. Just a different starting point, potentially. But there's division in all churches in light of this. Church attendance nationally is at a major dip. Now, I've been your pastor for oh, just over three months, so not a very long time. But I've tried to do a lot of groundwork of just getting to know people and getting to know the culture and talking to people a lot, meeting with people. Still have many more to talk with, but it takes a long time to get to know people, especially, I apologize, me as an introvert. Um, but you know, a lot has happened in two years, roughly. The disagreements and division, uh, it sounds like there were some very public ways of divisiveness that manifested. But even so, I've heard from young people, underage people, how evident it was and has been, which is troubling. It placed some of our own in hospitals. Uh, some have had to miss work with little to no sick leave, which then affects their family's livelihood. Some of us may have even lost loved ones. And people have been hurt enough to leave. When I came in October, I was given a recent directory, the most recent being from 2019. I called every single household on that directory. There were quite a few that said they left either because of our lack of COVID precautions or the public divisions, and in particular amongst the leadership team at the time. And I just tried to listen. I didn't try to refute. I just tried to listen. What happened? Why did you exit? Why did you exit the family? What took you to the point where you thought there was no way forward? And now, with us in level two, our, our, our leadership team's current plan being, you know, we're gathering, but we're masking as adults. At this point, 
It's week-by-week -week evaluation. I think our, our division is obviously surfacing again. Last week, I think we had our lowest attendance of 28, and I think this week is close, but uh, low 30s. But the divisions are surfacing regardless, uh, and I'm not saying it's a present versus not present thing. I'm saying it's a, I've called a lot of you this week, or I've gotten texts or emails or sat down with a lot of you just to hear, just to listen. And they're surfacing again, mass required versus mass recommended. They aren't loving versus they're trusting the government. They aren't being cautious versus they're living in fear. The funny thing is there, there are a lot of similar views, too. That side's believing a lie. I heard that from both sides. Or people in the middle. They're all believing a lie. Uh, I heard from both sides, I can go into the gym without a mask. The funny thing is I heard that from both sides. Um, one argument of, well, the community gets to do it, so why can't we, versus, well, the world, our community is doing it, and we're called to be different than the world. Same statement, different purpose. Another similar was just feeling lost, hopeless. What do we do? How do we keep going? It's two years, we're entering year three of this. And family, it could be many more years. What do we do? How do we go forward? It's divided even our households within the four walls of our homes. And like I said, I personally, and I think many of the members of the leadership team have tried to be on the phone this week or in living rooms or in coffee shops asking, just what's going on? Why are you, why do you, what's going on? What's going on in your heart? Just trying to listen, not trying to convince anyone of our own opinions because like I said, all six of us at the table have very different opinions. Just trying to listen, make sure we feel heard. And the overwhelming thing I think we've heard is that people have been hurt, people have been grieved, enough to leave before and again, some more households are feeling hurt enough and considering leaving again. And some posit that if we just don't take a position at all, then Life Ridge will be fine, that there's only division because there's a plan in place that temporarily requires masks for adults. I would posit that that in and of itself is a position, and we lost people with that position as well. And so for us, as a team, and I've tried to encourage and keep before our team, and, and all of us are trying to spur each other on, is, man, we're really, our, our primary aim is not to please each other, but to love and serve Jesus and love and serve each other. How that looks, that's the million-dollar question for us. But there's a deeper problem for us, I think, and the church at large, when this hostility, this hurt, this division can surface so easily. Perhaps this is why the, the last and longest recorded prayers of Jesus, he prayed for our unity, that we would be one as the Father, Son, and Spirit are one. That's one of the main things he prayed for us in John 17. And perhaps that's why all throughout the New Testament writings, there's a call for unity through self-sacrifice, through looking to Jesus, who did not think too highly of himself, or really think realistically of himself, 
but instead chose to take on the form of a slave. And we see that even in Jesus' core group, his disciples, many of which are enemies. More than maybe deeper grievances than we may ever feel, some of them are deeply opposed to each other. May even think less of their humanity or that they are less than human. And yet Jesus somehow calls them to not just be a part of his church, to be a part of his core leadership team. This team of rivals, if not enemies. But see, that's the beauty of Jesus. That's the beauty of the church. That's the mystery of the gospel is somehow enemies, not just become acquaintances or friends, but they become family. Family. And how do we know that? Because we were enemies to God. We literally were enemies to God. We were enemies to our God. And God loved us despite that. And now we're not just acquaintances with God. We're not just friends. We are family. God is our Father. Jesus is our brother. So we're called to love like Jesus by taking up our cross. But... We're hurting, we're grieved, it's dividing us. It has, and it continues to. But the good news for us is that Jesus took up his cross for us. If we turn to 1 John, not John 1, but 1 John, towards the end of your Bible, in chapter 4, starting in verse 7, the Apostle John writes, Beloved, let us love one another, because love is from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Now, whoever does not love does not know God, for God is love. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his only son into the world, into our world, so that we might live through him. Notice that. The incarnation, the doctrine of the incarnation is that Jesus didn't stay up where he was. He entered our grievances, our hurting. He entered our world. He took on our pain. Verse 10, and this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Beloved, since God loved us so much, we also ought to love one another. Since God loved us so much, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love God, if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is perfected in us. If we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is perfected in us. This echoes Jesus' statement to the disciples earlier on when he said, man, they'll know that you are my disciples by the way you love one another. And what that statement is essentially saying is they'll know that I am God by the way you love one another. By the way, in this community, we are different than the way that world on the other side of that wall loves each other, loves each other. It will be different, and they'll know that. And somehow... That love is perf- his love is perfected in us. Paul calls this a mystery somehow that enemies are family. 
Do you think Jesus had to come to earth? Do you think Jesus had to put on humanity? Do you think Jesus had to endure our hurts, our grievances, our divisions? No, he chose to. He didn't have to come here. He could have let us crumble. He chose to. He chose to do so in order to identify with us and sympathize with us in our weakness. And although he didn't have to come to earth, he chose to. Although he didn't have to put on human flesh, he chose to. Although he didn't have to endure our hurts, our grievances, our divisions, he chose to. If we're in Christ, that's our God. That's our leader. That's who we follow. And so my encouragement to us is wherever we're at, whatever position we take or don't take, which is still a position, in response to Jesus' sacrificial love for us, we are freed to become slaves. That's actually what Scripture says. We're freed to not be enslaved to sin. We're freed from slavery of sin, but we're freed and bought to become slaves to Christ, to love, and to love others, especially those we disagree with in the body. And I think most of us, if we're honest, we we disagree, whether we disagree on one of the polar opposite sides or we disagree as someone in the middle and we're like, why are you so extreme on the other sides? These are all the vantage points I've heard and everything in between. That somehow we're called to love each other where that brother or sister is at. And so I'm going to slowly read Paul's words in Philippians 2 to us. Paul says to the believers in Philippi. If then there is any encouragement in Christ, any consolation from love, any sharing in the Spirit, any compassion and sympathy, make my joy complete. He says, be of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Man, how do we become of one mind? That's a supernatural thing, right? Of the same love. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. But in humility, regard others as better than yourselves. Not just as equal, as better than yourselves. Let each of us, let each of you, look not to your own interests, but to the interests of others. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, he did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, to held on to, to say, hey, I'm God. Deal with it. Treat me as it. Now, Jesus didn't come in and demand to be king of Rome. No, he chose to be the servant. He said he emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness. And being born in human form, he humbled himself, and he became obedient to the point of death, even the most excruciating and humiliating death known to human history, death on a cross. And therefore, God also highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bend in heaven 
and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed me, not only in my presence, but much more now in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. That's us right now, what we're trying to figure out. How do we work out this salvation, this corporate salvation, with fear and trembling? Fear before God, reverence to Him, a trembling, this posture of humility, of just, I don't know what to do. Do you feel that right now? I know I do. I know there's many nights this week where I'm just up late, and I see many of my leadership team (laughs) just nodding, but we're just sick. Just what do we do? How do we love each other? That might be a good place to be, where we feel that sickness almost. A little bit of, I can't do this on my own, God. We can't do this on our own. Verse 13, Paul says, For it is God who is at work in you, enabling you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Paul wraps up this section. He says, Do all things without murmuring and arguing, without little gossips and backdoor hallways conversations, but no, don't argue about it so that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation in which you shine like stars in the world. In response to Jesus' sacrificial love for us, we're freed to become his slaves, slaves to him and to love others, especially our brothers and sisters who we disagree with. And somehow in doing that, that is where we are the light of the world. That is where the world sees that it does not make sense why those two people are friends. Not just friends, they call each other sisters or brothers. And our relationship is the manifestation, the physical embodiment of the gospel. Somehow God is making his plea through us to the world for us to die to ourselves and to live for him by living for others. There's this quote from uh, John Billy. I don't know if I pronounced his last name correctly, but humility is the obverse side of confidence in God, whereas pride is the obverse side of confidence in ourself. Meaning if we have, if we place our confidence in God, we are able to humble ourselves. If we place our confidence in this Jesus who had every right to be the most confident and demanding and he still was chose to be treated as a slave. That's our confidence. Man, we will be humble. But man, if our confidence is in ourself and our pride and our wants, our desires and, and our own needs, first and foremost, the other side of that is pride. And I think that's where we get our current divisions. Our troubles, our difficulty with loving one another, being able to sit across the table from one another or, or have a phone call with one another or be with someone who 
may or may not be wearing a mask, even though I may or may not want to wear a mask, or is or is not vaccinated, and I am or am not vaccinated, and so on. Aaron shared this verse with me from uh, Paul's letter to the church in Colossae. This is my last passage. Chapter 3 and verse 12, Paul said, Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults. And forgive anyone who offends you. Remember that the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. And above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. Who are we, LifeBridge? Who are we? Who have we been the last couple years? Who are we right now, but more importantly, who are we going to be? Who are we going to be? Who among us is going to choose to love like this? And I'm not saying what that looks like for a person in your vantage point. I honestly don't care to convince you of any sort of point. I care to convince you to love like Jesus, whatever that means. And guess what? If it's if loving is easy, you're probably not doing it. <laughs> I think loving is really hard. If, if you've been married before in a hard relationship, sometimes the hardest point is when you hit a time with someone you're close to, a friend, a parent, a kid, whatever, and you're just like, man, how are we going to get through this? But what keeps you is that covenant. You don't think God, man, felt that with us? how we grieved him, and yet he still loved us because he kept the covenant. And we, too, are in covenant with one another. You know, I signed a, a covenant to come be employed here as a pastor, and we have a membership covenant. And we're in covenant with each other. I think we lose how deep that means. But who among us is going to love like this, that the covenant matters more than my comforts? The covenant matters more than even my convictions. Who among us is going to love not only in ways that are easy, but in ways that may not make sense to you, or that may hurt, or that will call you to lay down your comforts or rights? I'd say if that is what is on the table for you, you might be closer to the way of Jesus, where it's like, man, everything in me doesn't want to do that. not always indicative of that, but it's possible. It's possible. Loving is not easy. Do you think the cross was easy? 
do you think God taking on flesh was easy? No, it's incomprehensible. That's why the Islamic faith has the hardest time accepting that God became human because it doesn't make sense. But that's what love, incarnate love, following the incarnational God of the universe, Jesus, in that way to become love incarnate to our brothers and sisters here in LifeBridge and in our community, it doesn't always make sense. It often doesn't. But man, the gospel turns enemies into family. It turned us into family with God, and it turns us into family together. I'm going to give us a few moments. I'm going to have us wrap up this time a little differently. Um, I'm actually going to give us a couple moments of just silence for us to pray by ourselves, or if someone feels led to pray out loud, by all means, go ahead. But here's what I'm going to encourage us with. We all are in different seats, literally, but figuratively as well. Different vantage points as to what we do as a church, whether we're doing it well, whether we're not doing it well, whatever that may be, whether we should even be doing anything. I encourage you, again with that Matthew passage, ask the Spirit, help me see the log. Help me see ways that perhaps... I have missed the way of Jesus. Help me see ways that I just have a hard time loving that person or people in that position. And man, maybe those of you who are in the middle who are even just like, I don't get those people that are so strong either way. And even that can be pride. Ask the Spirit for help there. And if you've been hurt, if you've been grieved, if you've seen the church just make it through battered and bruised right now, and they're just trembling into 2022, and you're just like, what are we going to do? Our church, but then the church at large. Man, take those grievances and hurts to Jesus. The scriptures are full of lament. Lamenting is something that our God allows us to do, to grieve, to share. I don't get it, God. I don't get it. Why? Share that. God can take that. God wants us to take that to him. And if you feel you may have hurt someone, a sister or brother, I encourage you, uh, whether it be by yourself or or even, uh, yeah, just pray. I encourage you to repent of that. I encourage you to reach out to that sister or brother and repent of that. Ask for forgiveness. And I encourage you even this week, after a time of prayer, that you try to reach out to someone from a different vantage point in our church. No agendas other than just asking. Asking how they're feeling. Asking how they're doing with all this. Asking how this weighs on their heart. Don't have to discuss facts or lack thereof or anything like that. But no, just trying to listen. Just trying to hear. Just trying to love and make them feel heard. So, but in this time, yes, I'm going to give us just a couple minutes, and I'm just going to sit here and let us pray, whether it be by ourselves or out loud. Um, But as as our brother Reuben pointed out, and he shared with me this morning, and 
I've been feeling that as well, man. We just need to be on our knees uh, before the Lord, asking the Spirit. Because, man, the gospel is made manifest through us. There's a lot at stake here. It's bigger than you and me and our, our comforts, our convictions. It's bigger than that. So how are we going to go forward, Lifebridge? Let's, let's pray. Let's spend a few moments praying.
going to take a few more moments. I'm going to close by just sharing with you two passages. Titus chapter 2, Paul was writing to one of his young apprentices. In verse 11, Paul said, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all, training us to renounce impiety and worldly passions, and in the present age to live lives that are self-controlled, upright, and godly, while we wait for the blessed hope and the manifestation of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. He it is who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify for himself a people of his own who are zealous for good deeds. And then Jesus' words in Matthew. In Matthew 5, 13. I asked you who you are, who we are, LifeBridge. We are redeemed, we are loved. And Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how can its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything, but it's thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hid. No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it under the bushel basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light, and that your is not you individually, it's your plural, all of us, let your light, life bridge, shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Let me pray for us, and then we will, I believe we have one more song, correct, Jay? Father, help us. I mean, we started with the world, help the world, but all the way down to us here in Dover, in Tusk, in LifeBridge, help us as a local church family. Help us be united in your love. Help us see Jesus for what he did. Help us see who he is by what he did. 
and who that makes us now in him. And Holy Spirit, we know that following him, taking up our cross together is something we can't do on our own. We need you. We desperately need you. Help us, Spirit. Help us bear our own cross, but help us bend down and bear one another's crosses as well. Help us daily take up our cross and follow you, Jesus, that the world would see this dying, see your death in us, that they too might experience the power and the hope of your resurrection, Jesus. Help us. Father, we ask all these things in the name of Jesus, through the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to the LifeBridge podcast. For more information about our church, please visit lifebridgedover.org. There you'll be able to find out more about the church community, our ministries, ways to get involved, recommended resources, and to give. Be sure to subscribe to receive new episodes directly into your podcast feed. While we are glad that you're checking out our podcast feed, we believe that the New Testament teaches that church worship is to be experienced weekly, in person, within your local church community. Thus, we encourage you to either join us in person for Sunday morning worship or to find and commit to a local gospel-centered church community in your neighborhood. Thanks. Thanks.